Praise the Lord. We have a Savior that takes away the sin of the world, but he takes away our sin. It's personal. What a blessing that is. Well, we're glad to have you here this morning. Okay. They're telling me I don't have this turned on. There we go. All right. Would you open the Bible to Ephesians chapter 4? Ephesians chapter 4. Have you had a good week? Fought any battles? You know, you think about it. Uh, uh, I, I was thinking about the song, the children's song. Um, I'm a soldier of the cross. Or, let's see. Am I a soldier? Now I can't even think of it. That's bad. Well, I guess I'll forget that thought. <laughs> Since I've already forgot it. <laughs> uh, I'm a soldier of the cross. I may, let's see. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly over the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. There we go. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. See, you know it, don't you? Okay, so how I could forget it, I don't know. But uh, anyways, so, so I, st- I, I was actually singing that driving my car, and I was thinking, you know, do we really realize we're in the Lord's army? Have we thought about that? Have we considered what's going on in our lives? And uh, we've been speaking about spiritual battles over the last few weeks on Sunday mornings and talking about this. And uh, I've, been, I've really been thinking about how is it that the devil gets an advantage of us? How does he get his foot in the door? You know, if you let him have his foot in the door, you're in trouble. If, he, if he's able to, to trip you up, he will. And, and that's his goal. And you know, we think about this, and, and interesting, the Bible was written, now listen, to obey, not simply to study. That's why you read words like therefore and Wherefore, and in the book of Ephesians, uh, what's happened in the first three chapters is that he has laid out for us what we have in Jesus Christ, the fullness and the richness and the blessings that we have. If you're not staying for uh, the Bible study hour, you ought to stay for the Bible study hour. We're in the book of Ephesians. It's a tremendous book, and so I encourage you to stay and be a part of that and be in the Bible study hour. Um, If you're watching online and you say, well, I'd like to be a part of that Bible study, uh, if you'll contact us, we'll send you the the Sunday school lessons. We'll let you know what they are. We'll we'll pass them on to you and help you with them. Uh, You need to be studying the Word of God. And so we encourage you to be a part of that. And uh, when you get to chapter 4 of Ephesians, you'll notice it says, therefore... 
You see that word, therefore. He says, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. And so now he's telling us what we should do. He says that ye would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. He's instructing and he's saying, now that you know what God's done for you, you need to be involved. You need to be a part of it. And, and you'll see this. It, it goes on through um, the rest of chapter 4 and 5 and 6. And I want us to pick up in verse 17. Verse 17, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, and speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now read verse 27 with me. Just read it out loud. Neither give place to the devil... All right, we're going to think about that. Neither give place to the devil. He said, here's how you ought to walk. Here's some things you need to be doing. But he says, in the process, do not give place to the devil. I'm going to finish this chapter. We're looking at verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath, given, hath forgiven you. Give no place for the devil. Don't give him any room. Don't give him a foothold. Don't allow him to come in. No place for the devil. Uh, that's, all, that's the title this morning, uh, and, and we want you to think about that. No place for the devil. Have you given him place? Are you allowing him to... to influence you is there is there something going on and and you're allowing that to happen the bible says give no place would you bow your heads for prayer father we ask that you would take your word now and apply it to our hearts help us to to take it to heart help us to allow the holy spirit to uh, work deeply in us 
Lord, we pray that you would make yourself known to us today, that you would speak to us through your word and by your spirit. Lord, I pray that there would be a, a resolve and a decision and a willingness to be clean before you and that you would have your way in every heart, that you would be exalted and magnified. And Lord, that we would please you in everything that we say and do. Lord, work in us according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. We're to be doers of the word, not hearers only. That's what the Bible is talking about. And, and you stop and think about it. We're to walk. He's talking about the way you act, the way you live, the things that you do. Uh, there are some negatives in the Christian life. Now, now we, like, we like the positive. We like the fact that God loves us and that he has given us a place in heaven and uh, no one can take that from us. That's an exciting thing, isn't it? Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. But there are some negatives, negatives in the Christian life. And, and it's interesting as you, as you look at the context here and you go back to, to verse 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not. There's a negative. Walk not as the Gentiles walk. And, and there's a difference between the saved and the unsaved. Now, when he's talking about the Gentiles here, he's basically saying the unsaved person. And he said, don't walk as the unsaved person, but walk now according to that which is in you, according to Christ. Walk differently. And we, we stop and think about the, the differences between the saved and the unsaved. And we, we can't imitate the world and please God. We have to be different. And he wants us to be different, and so he's, he's identifying this. In fact, uh, if you were to look back at chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Before you were saved, you lived for the world, you lived for yourself, and you walked according to the devil's plan. But now that you're saved, you're to walk according to God's plan and what God has for you. And so he's encouraging us here, and he's talking about the difference. And there's a difference in thinking. There's a difference in the way we think. Notice what he says here in the emphasis on the mind. And he says, in the vanity of their minds. The Gentiles, the unsaved person. He says, they walk in the vanity of their minds. And what else we know about them? Their understanding is darkened. They, they don't understand. You know, they don't understand why you would come to church. They don't understand why you would read a Bible. They don't understand those things. And it's because they're walking in the darkness. But we're different. We're not ignorant we have learned Christ, and we have, we have something different. Look at verse 20. You have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard of him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, there's a difference, there's a contrast. You're in Jesus Christ. You learn Christ. You don't learn just about Christ, you learn Christ. There's a difference. You're walking with Christ. You're not, you're not just learning about Him. You're actually learning Christ. You walk with Him. You talk with Him. He lives in you by His Spirit. And He makes a difference in your life. 
And so there's a contrast and there's an admonition and we think about the things that he says. And, and in fact, look at verse 22. He says, put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, the way that you used to live. Put that off. Why? Because it's corrupt according to the deceitful lust. One, one commentary that I read said, we need to take the grave clothes off. We're dead in sins before we're saved. Take the grave clothes off and put on the new man. You're alive in Christ. There's a difference. You've been changed. And so he's telling us that we need to live that way. There needs to be a difference in the way that we live. We've had a change of mind. Uh, When you got saved, you repented, right? You know what repentance means? It means change of mind. You were vain in your imaginations before you got saved. When you trusted Jesus Christ, you changed your mind about sin and about God, and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you want Him to work in you and through you. So things have changed. And and we need to be aware of that. So that being said, look at verse 24. He says that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The new man is righteous and true and holy. He said, put that on. And then he he says this to us in verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And then he says, neither give place to the devil. Now, I want us to consider some sin, some sins that can give Satan a place. Some things that Satan will grab onto and he gets into our life. He begins to, to control and he, he really defeats us. He knocks us down in the battle. He, he finds a chink in our armor and he shoots that arrow and it affects us. And we're no longer fighting the good fight. But we're trying to stay alive. We're just trying to get up. We've been, we've been wounded by the devil. We've been brought down. We've given place to him. And he says, don't give place. So what are some things that give place to the devil? Well, we're just going to, we don't do this too often, but we're going to do this this morning. We're going to name some sins that the Bible names. Why does the Bible name sin? To bring conviction, to bring knowledge and understanding so that you'll deal with it. And notice the first one that we want to look at here is lying. You see it in verse 25. He says, wherefore, put away lying. He said, you're going to put off the old man. You're going to put on the new man. And so you have to put away lying. And lying, since Satan himself is a liar, it is no surprise that lying opens for him the opportunity to work in our lives. When you tell a lie, you're opening the door for the devil. That's just what's happening. John 8 and verse 44. You're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh it of his own. For he is a liar. And the father of it. 
So when you tell a lie, you're joining forces with the devil. Now, when you believe the truth, then the Holy Spirit works in your heart and in your life. But when you believe a lie, the devil can work in your life. And so we have to stop and think about it. He says, put away lying. When Paul counsels, he counsels in Philippians 4, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Since God is the God of truth, His Word is truth, and His Spirit is truth, it is impossible, listen, it is impossible to fellowship with God while you are harboring a lie. When you're, when you're lying and telling lies, then it's impossible for you to be walking in the Spirit. It's impossible for you to be having sweet fellowship with God while you're involved in a lie and telling a lie. And it, it affects your walk and it gives the devil an advantage in your life. So we're being encouraged here. He says, put away lying. Perhaps one of the best illustrations in the New Testament about lying was Ananias and Sapphira. You read about them in Acts chapter 5. And you know, it's obvious that they had believed in Jesus Christ. Their sin was not keeping back some of the offering. You know the story. The story is that, that they, they wanted everybody to think that they had given all when really they were, they were holding back and they weren't giving all. And so they lied. In fact, let's just turn there so that we don't... Uh, there may be somebody that's not familiar with this. A lot of you are familiar with it. But Acts chapter 5, notice this illustration from Scripture about lying. And it's, it's pretty clear. Acts chapter 5, verse 1, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Now, listen to me. The problem with lying is that it is against God. It's against God. Do you care what God thinks? Do you care what God thinks about you? Do you care what God thinks about what you do? Do you care about God? If you love God, then you do what God says, and you're on His side, and you speak the truth. God wasn't happy with their lie. What was the lie? Well, the lie was that we're giving all when they were not giving all. 
and you stop and think about that whole situation, that is an illustration. God actually strikes them dead. You say, oh, well, he's not doing that much today. We'd have few people in church that would be, uh, that, you know, you'd be afraid to come to church, afraid to give offerings, afraid of all these things. No, the, the truth is God looks at the heart. He knows what's going on. You know, hell was prepared for who? The devil and his angels. You know that. Matthew 25, 41. But you know who else is there? All liars. Revelation 21, 8. And all liars, it says. So, so when we tell a lie, what are we doing? We are joining in with the devil. We're giving him a place. We're supposed to be truth tellers, not liars. And by the way, you know a lie? A lie is when I tell you something intending to deceive you. For example, uh, you say, what time is it? I look at my watch and I say, well, it's uh, 11 o'clock. Well, it's not 11 o'clock. But if my watch tells me it's 11 o'clock and my watch is broke, I didn't lie to you intentionally. I wasn't trying to deceive you. But if, if you ask me what time it is and I tell you intentionally a, a wrong time because I, I want to get to the restaurant before you do, you've got plenty of time, you know, and I'm going to tell you, uh, actually, you don't have. Now I've lied to you. I've intended to deceive you. And so uh, he says, he tells us, back to Ephesians chapter 4, and, and it's very clear, he doesn't make any, mince any words, wherefore putting away lying, every man speak truth with his neighbor. Now why? Because we're members one of another, because we're supposed to love each other, because there's supposed to be unity in the body of Christ. We, we're to be truthful with each other. Look at the next sin that Satan uses. In verse 26, be ye angry and what? Sin not. Okay, so, so it's possible to be angry and not sin, but it's really hard to do. You stop and think about it. Uh, you know, Satan, do you know Satan gets angry? Turn your Bibles to Revelation 12. Revelation chapter 12. And I want you to look at verse 12. Revelation 12, 12. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the, unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. He came down with wrath. He's angry. Look at verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Oh, he makes war with those who what? Have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Do you have testimony of Jesus Christ? If you do, say amen. 
Okay, so does Satan like you? No, he wants to make war with you. And when you get angry, he has a foothold. Because it says, be angry and what? Sin not. Now, Jesus himself got angry. And he did not sin. You stop and think about it. He Remember, he made a whip. And he drove the money changers out. And, and it, is, it is possible to have righteous anger. God expressed anger at sin. In Psalm 7, verse 11, it says, God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. Not wrong to be angry. Jesus revealed righteous anger. He dealt with that. It's not, it's, but it's, now listen, it's not enough just to love that which is good. We must also hate that which is evil. We must hate it. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. Psalm 97.10. We need to hate that. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 8.13. Romans 12.9. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. So as sinful humans... It's hard for us to exercise righteous anger. It can be done, but it's not easy. To be angry with the right person at the right time with the right degree for the right purpose and in the right way, that's not easy. That's be angry and sin not. Sinful anger always leads to more sin. Uh, usually, when, when we're angry, when, when we have been upset, uh, you know, we, we lash out. Do you ever say something you wish you hadn't said? Uh, you know, uh, and when you're angry, you make decisions that later on you wish you hadn't... You, you, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have responded that way. Uh, don't give Satan an advantage or a place in your anger. Be angry. Use the energy of anger to do the right thing in the right way for the right purpose to help people. But it's so easy for us to be angry and sin. Because usually our anger is tipped off by our selfishness. Somebody did something we didn't like. Somebody said something we didn't like. Somebody hurt us and we get angry. And then, then it, it, it goes from there. So we, we need to stop lying. We need to stop being angry and sinning. And then notice stealing. Look at verse 28. He says, let, let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So what are we pointing out here? We're pointing out that, that Satan is a liar and Satan gets angry and Satan is a thief. And when you do those things, you're joining forces with him. He said, I'm, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Satan didn't come to give you life. Jesus did. 
the experience of the demoniac. And, and you think about this demoniac of Gadara. And it's a vivid example of Satan stealing from his, those who do not know Christ. And, and you stop and think about what happened, that demoniac. You know, what did he steal? He lived in the tombs. And Jesus came and made a difference in his life. But Satan robbed this man of his sanity, of his liberty, of his home, of his money. He took everything that he had, his joy, the effectiveness of work, his reputation, his health, cutting himself with stones. He was in the tombs cutting himself with a stone. And Satan would have robbed him of his very life if Jesus had not Come along. Jesus delivered him. You stop and think about that. If someone will steal a pencil, they're giving a foothold to the devil and they'll steal even more. Don't steal. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I, we had a guy visiting our church here. And we had invited him, and I'd had inter- interaction with him in different places. I invited him to come to church, and, and he came to my newcomer's class. And uh, he's never been back. Uh, this was a few months, years actually ago. I don't want anybody to know who it is. But I saw him steal half a dozen pencils from the newcomer's class. I just watched him steal them. He just took them. And I thought, okay, well, he won't be back. He never came back. You know, uh, we have to give our lives over to the Lord and let him be the one that's in control. And we, we be, have to be very careful about this. Luke 16.10, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in that least is unjust also in much. You see, how we live our lives, don't give him a foothold. Paul gives the reason. What he says, why are we not to steal? Verse, look at verse 28 again. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give him that it needeth. He said instead of taking from people, you need to give to people. And he says work so that you can be a giver and so that you can help others. For we're members one of another. Now, look at verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your well out of your mouth and then look down at verse 4 of chapter 5 neither filthy nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient but rather giving of thanks and he says we need to be careful what we talk how we say what comes out of our mouth and we have to be aware of that since since we have come to christ our heart is to be pure and right and full of goodness But when filthy communication comes out, what is that telling you about your heart? you got your heart in the wrong place. You've got wrong imaginations. Things are not good when those kinds of things come out of your heart, out of your mouth. And we have to stop and think that. Satan, if Satan can get us to think about sin, then he'll get us to talk about sin. 
And if he gets to think about it and talk about it, it, it's easier for him to tempt us into actually participating in those things. And so we, we have to be careful what we say and put away filthy communication out of your mouth. You know, it's that down there in verse 4 of chapter 5, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting. It's not wrong for us to joke. It's good to have, uh, have a sense of humor and to be able to laugh. Uh, it's a good thing. But not about filthy things and dirty things and our humor is important. I, I read about a pastor who said he would, not, he would not have missionaries if they didn't have a sense of humor. He said, because they're going to have to be able to laugh at themselves on the mission field. And, and they're going to have to be able to, to, to laugh about life. And you stop and think about what's going on. Filthy communication. And then I, I quickly must move along. I want you to look at verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Would you stop and think about what we're talking about there? Grieve not the Holy Spirit. You have to realize that you can have an unforgiving spirit. And if I'm grieving the Holy Spirit, I'm not pleasing the Holy Spirit. True? I, I'm supposed to please God. But if, and by the way, the Holy Spirit will not leave you. If you've been saved by God's grace, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. He will never leave you. But your sinful behavior, your talk, your stealing, your lying, all of those things can grieve the Holy Spirit. And then He will not be able to function properly in your life. You displease God. Now, there's, there are, there's so much... The only remedy for, for this unforgiving spirit is forgiveness. And so that's what he says. And he tells us what we ought to do. He says in verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He said, put it away. And what do we do? We go to God and ask God to forgive us and take those things out of our life. Don't give the devil a, a place. Don't allow him to have his way. You've got to be willing to forgive. Evil speaking is another word. It's, it's really slander. And it's using your, your mouth to, to tear down and hurt other people. It's interesting. First uh, Timothy 3 and Titus 2 says that, that the wives of deacons are not to be slanderers. They're not to be involved in false accusations. And, and God put a qualification in the home for those who would serve him. And he's got deacon qualifications, but he also puts specific qualifications for the wives. And so there's a spiritual context to all of this. And you think about it. Exodus twenty sixteen, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. You stop and think about the things that we say and do. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination to him. Proverbs 6 and verse 19. And involved in that is he that speaketh lies. And you stop and think about what God wants us to do and how he wants us to, to live and not to be tearing others down. I, I read this. Um, I don't know which commentary got it from, but God's word tells us how to deal with the sins of saints. Now, we're members one of another, right? Someone lies, 
someone hurts you, someone speaks bad to you, you need to forgive them. You need to go to them. You need to talk to them. You need to deal with it. And so what does it tell us? Galatians 6.1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. 1 Peter 4.8, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity covereth a multitude of sins. So we need to talk to them, deal with them. We need to love them and forgive them. And we need to deal with it accordingly. Matthew chapter uh, 18, verses 15 through 17, tells us what we ought to do, how we, if, we've, if we've been offended, if we have a problem, how we go to them and we seek to get things right and we, we have a forgiving spirit. And the third thing is, Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins you know what we're supposed to love each other forgive each other and work to not give the devil a place now i want you to open your bibles to galatians chapter five it's just back a couple pages galatians chapter five look at verse 16 Galatians 5.16 says, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and they are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now, here's, here's the point. If I walk in the Spirit, I will not lie, steal, cut other people down, I won't be doing those things, and I will put those sins away. Because they, where do they start? They're sins of the flesh. And the temptation comes from the flesh. And so I need to walk in the Spirit. Turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Look at verse 12. James 1, 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried... He shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot tempt, be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Okay, so what, what happens here? My flesh gives in to temptation, who's responsible, who's, who's tempting me? Who's involved in trying to get me to sin? The devil is trying to do that. You, you stop and think about this. The Bible says in, that in 1 Timothy 2.12, it says that Eve was deceived by Satan. She was deceived. You go back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, she begins, she's looking, she's there, and the conversation starts with the devil, the serpent, questioning God. Yea, hath God said? Yea, hath God said that you shouldn't eat of every tree? And then, then the next thing you hear the devil, the serpent saying is, he, ye shall not surely die. And in verse 6 of Genesis 3 it says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof. Now, we're talking about give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. The Bible says Eve was deceived, not Adam. But what happens? Adam knew what he was doing. Eve got tricked into doing it. But what's the deal? The devil is the one that is at work, and he wants to to trip you up, and he wants to keep you from doing what's right. And sin is the way that he does that. Now, I'm going to finish this message with a vivid illustration of what happens when we give in to sin. And I want you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Familiar story probably to many of you. The story of, of David and Bathsheba. But I want you to notice as we walk through this, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. It's the time when kings go forth. Instead of going to battle, he took some leisure time. Now, what does the Bible say about to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not? It's sin. So, nothing wrong with leisure time, but he should have been in the battle. You know what? Satan wants you to think, hey, you don't have to fight this battle. You don't need to go to the war. You can let somebody else fight the battle. You just take a vacation. Take a vacation from God's Word. Take a vacation from prayer. Take a vacation from church. You don't have to fight the battle. Let everybody else fight the battle. Leisure. There was leisure. What followed leisure? Look at verse 2. And it came to pass in an evening that David arose from off the bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. From leisure to look. He's looking. He's looking at what? A beautiful woman. With her clothes off. He should have run. He should have stopped looking. He should have turned the computer off. He should have thrown the phone across the the room. He should have said, no, I can't look at that. But he didn't. He gave a place for the devil. It started first because he didn't go to battle. But now he's looking. Look at the next verse. 
And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Uriah, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Eliam, excuse me, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent messengers. Now, before we, in verse 3, you have lust. He looked, and now he lusts. He wants, he wants her. And so he's finding out who she is, and he's pursuing her. He's going after her. Lust. First, leisure. Second, look. Now it's lust. I was talking to Brother Frank. I was visiting with him, and I, I uh, told him that God had given me this outline, and I was sharing it with him, and, and he, he added one for me. So I'm going to give him credit. Uh, Brother, Brother Frank said, yes, after he lusted, he looted. He looted. You stop and think about that. He looted. He went. Look at verse 4. And David sent messengers and took her. And she came unto him. And he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned unto her house. He took what did not belong to him. He looted. And then notice verse 5. And the woman conceived... And sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now he has a liability. He has a liability. You know, I I looked up the definition of liability and it says the state of being responsible for something, especially by law. He has, he's responsible for the fact that he committed adultery. He's responsible for the fact that she is now with child. And then the second part of this, this word definition is, a person or thing who, who pre, whose presence or behavior is likely to cause embarrassment or put one at a disadvantage. A person or thing whose presence or behavior is likely to cause embarrassment or put one at a disadvantage. David looks at this and says, oh, she's pregnant. Her husband has gone off to battle. He's been off there. And it's going to be obvious to my servants who went and got her. And it's going to be obvious to others that I'm the one. And so she's a liability. The baby is a liability. You know why so much abortion takes place today? Because it's, it, in, inter, it interferes with pe- people's leisure. And they see it as a liability. And so they think it's easier to kill that baby than it is to bring them into the world and raise them. It's sin. And it's Satan's a murderer. And abortion is murder. And we have a government that needs to stand on the side of God and say that it is wrong. Instead of complying with those who want to live their life outside of God's qualifications. After liability comes the lie. The lie. 
Look at verse 6. And David sent to Joab saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And and Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with his servants of with the servants of his Lord, and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down into the house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst not thou go down into the house? David had a plan. It was a cover-up. We don't have any cover-ups going on today, but he was trying to cover it up. He, he was he was going to cover up this sin, and he was he so he he gets involved. He says, "Well, we'll get him to come back here, and he'll go and he'll go in with his wife this night, and then nobody will know. We'll be safe." But it's interesting. The cover-up doesn't always work. Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Look at verse 11. And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my lord Joab, the servant of my lord, are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go down, go into mine house and eat and drink and lie with my wife as thou livest and as thy soul liveth? I will not do this thing. Loyalty. He is loyal to the army. He's a loyal soldier in the army. He's going to be loyal. If they're out there fighting the battle, I'm still on duty. I came back on duty. I am not going to have leisure time, and I'm not going to lie with my wife. I am going to do what is right. Loyalty and character. Where's David's character? David had multiple wives, and instead of going into one of his multiple wives during his leisure time, he did this. He looked, he lusted, and he lied with one who was not his wife. He gave Satan a foothold. Then there's the letter. But you know, I should, I should, we should finish this story here. You know what happens? Uh, he 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 shows his character. So verse twelve, and David said to Uriah, "Tarry here a, a day also, and tomorrow I will let thee depart." So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him what? Drunk. You know the Bible prohibits you from giving wine to make people drunk? 
Do you know that that's in Proverbs, that you're not supposed to do that? Do you know? So David is committing another sin here, and what he's thinking is, well, if he's drunk, he'll, he, won't be, he won't have character when he's drunk, and he's, he's going along with the devil. But you know, even drunk, this soldier had more character than David. And you stop and see what happens. Verse 13, and when David had called him, we read that. Verse, it says, he lay on his bed in the servants with the Lord, but went not down to his house. Now verse 14, and it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and Retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass, when Joab observed the city, that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew that the valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab. And there fell some of the people of the servants of David. And Uriah the Hittite died also. The letter collusion we're going to make sure that we get this guy killed it's criminal what david did was criminal and this is the way that the the devil works and he takes you just a little bit farther and a little bit farther so now he has adultery and now he has murder on his record and he include others with it he included others with it you never sin alone when you give place to the devil, you're, you're setting yourself up to be used of the devil to create problems for other people. Don't sin. Don't give place to the devil. Now notice the loss. Verse 18, And Joab sent unto David all the things concerning the war and charged the messenger saying when thou hast made an end of telling the matters of the war unto the king and if so be that the king's wrath rise arise and say unto thee wherefore approacheth ye so nigh unto the city when ye did the, did fight know ye not that they would shoot from the wall who smote Abimelech, the son of Jeriah, Bashay, and not, did not a woman cast a piece of millstone upon him from the wall, and he died in Thebes? Why went she nigh the wall? Then say thou, thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. There is tremendous collateral damage. It's just not Uriah that dies, but several died. And Joab knew. Joab knew that he was going to be criticized. He said, he'll criticize me for, for conducting the battle. I know better than this. Well, you just tell him Uriah is dead. You just tell him. Verse 22, so the messenger went and came 
and showed David all that Joab had sent him for. And the messenger said unto David, Surely the man prevailed against us and came out unto us into the field, and we were upon them even unto the entering into the gate. And the shooters shot from off the wall upon the servants, and some of the king's servants be dead, and thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devoureth one as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city, and overthrow it, and encourage thou him. Loser. He's a loser. You know what he says? Oh, well, that's life. Whatever will be, will be, you know. Uh, you, you just got to realize in the battle you lose some. And, and he's a loser. What's the lesson? Look at verse 26. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the mourning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house. And she became his wife and bare him a son. Now I want you to notice the last verse. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. It displeased the Lord. The lesson is the consequence of our sin. It, it, was a, it affected Bathsheba. It affected Uriah. It affected the other army men that were there. It affected Joab in the lie and in the cover-up. It involved all of these other people because of, of David's giving Satan a place. A place. Give him no place. He gave him a place. He displeased God. You know, it's time that we get an understanding that when we give place to the devil, that we grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we lose our power with God. We lose our fellowship with God. We lose our ability to make a difference when we grieve the Holy Spirit. And who knows where it will end. One step leads to another step, leads to another step. And we, we shake our heads and say, how did I make such a mess of my life? It's because you didn't put off the old man and put on the new. You've been saved by grace, but it's time that you get busy about putting off and putting on. It's time that you get busy about obeying God's word and doing what God says. You need to know what God says, and then you need to do it. And you say, I can't do it. No, but you can through the power of the Holy Spirit. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. I'm in the Lord's army. Are you? 
Or have you given place to the devil? You know, God gives time. He gives time. And, and David didn't repent. He got miserable. You can read about it in Psalm 32. He was miserable. And finally, God sent someone to confront him. Nathan the prophet. He confronted him. David got under conviction. He confessed his sin. And God cleansed him. I don't know what your sin is. But God does. But I do know who your sin affects. Your sin affects God. It affects God. When David confessed his sin in Psalm 51, he said, against thee and thee only have I done this great wickedness. You stop and think about it. You say, no, it was against Bathsheba. No, it was against Uriah. No, it's first and foremost against God. When's the last time you said, God, I've sinned against you. God, I want your forgiveness. God, I need your help. Psalm 51, verse 4, Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth, truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden parts, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. You know what he did? He got honest with God. And then he got cleansed. Created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. If you've grieved the Holy Spirit, the good thing is, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us, your sin, forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, There's a reason that you give us admonition, instruction. And Lord, we can displease you today just as David displeased you. Lord, if we've sinned, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And Lord, uh, we know that that grieving is the displeasing of you. You're displeased. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to 
not cover our sin, but confess it. Not try to run from conviction, but run to You. And Lord, I pray that You would do a work that would cleanse us so that You might fill us so that we might be fruitful for You. Oh God, touch our hearts now and search us and show us and have Your way. Father, we need Your grace. We need Your power to be fruitful witnesses. And Lord, Help us not to take time off from the battle, but help us to stay busy for you. But in the busyness, help us to stay filled with the Spirit. Have your way today. Lord, thank you for each one here. Work your work in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name with your heads bowed. Is there some area in your life that God has put His finger on? Has the Holy Spirit brought some conviction to you in some area? You can deal with it right where you are. You can talk to God about it. You can get it taken care of. You can be cleansed and clean today. And you ought to do that. Maybe God wants you to come to this altar. David had to had to come clean. And maybe God wants you to come and kneel here and pray. But whatever it is God wants to do in your life, let him have his way. Would you do that? Father, have your way now in Jesus' name. Amen.